Well, hello, and welcome to episode 41 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. My guest today is Ben Oshiak. He is a freelance designer focusing in brand experience. Ben drew dinosaurs when he was younger and originally wanted to be a paleontologist. I'm glad he's not because I get to chat with him because he's a designer. Uh, Ben has nine siblings, and I don't care how many brothers and sisters you have, that is a big family. Christmas gatherings, I bet you are crazy. Uh, Ben is currently in New York City. He was a joy to talk to. He kills it in the lightning round later in the episode, and he asks a very good ask it forward question of our next guest. Yeah, you'll have to wait till the end of the episode for that one. So let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Oshiak. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Ben. How are you today? Uh, Good morning, Dave. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for joining me on the Quickie Podcast. Yeah, no problem. You ready for a Quickie then? (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Let's do it. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Um, Yeah, sure. So I'm a a graphic designer living in New York City. Uh, I've been here for a little bit more than two years uh, after living in Austin uh, and going to school there. I graduated in 2013 mm-hmm. um, and lived in Austin for a little while after working there. Um, and before that, I grew up in Vermont um, with a big family. I have nine siblings. No and way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you're not, you're not lying. That is a big family. It is. Yeah, it's a lot of people. Um, crazy. It gets crazy at Christmas. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I... Uh, yeah, I grew up in Vermont and um, kind of have been always interested in like food and understanding how people interact with different things and how they identify with different things. Mm-hmm. So what then pulled you from Austin to New York? Um, Austin, I think like when I when I graduated from high school, Austin was like, somewhere I had heard about that was um, kind of up and coming. And mm-hmm. I grew up in a really rural area, like kind of the middle of nowhere in the woods. Yep. And so anything remotely metropolitan was attractive to me. But I think like cities like, like big real cities like New York um, were kind of intimidating. Mm-hmm. And so Austin was kind of like this nice mix of like, relaxed but still like a lot more going on than I was ever used to mm-hmm. um but after I graduated from college and had lived there for a few years um it kind of like I think the pace of it was something I outgrew pretty quickly um and there's just it's strange but as far as design goes I found it a lot harder to find work in a like non product design digital design 
uh, expertise, which is not really what I focus a lot in. Yep. Um, and New York pretty much has like any and every creative opportunity that you could think of. Um, and many that you couldn't think of. (laughs) That is very true. Yeah. Um, tell me if you had a similar experience to this. My wife and I, uh, went to New York for a holiday for our anniversary a couple of years ago. And, Mm -hmm. you know, throughout your, your movie watching ages, you have New York pictured as this big bustling city and, you know, everybody's yelling and swearing at each other out the windows and horns are honking like all the time. And I remember distinctly, we, we land at the airport, collect our luggage, and we step outside the doors of the airport. And it was like I was watching a movie about New York. Horns honking everywhere, people yelling at each other, get out of my way, and all this stuff. And it just nailed how it had been previewed in, <laughs> in movies. And I thought, there's the sounds of New York. And have I experienced that? Yeah. Absolute, absolutely. Yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does definitely, um, we live, me and my girlfriend, we live in a part of Brooklyn called Greenpoint, and mm-hmm. um, we live on kind of like the, we live five stories up, but still uh, our building faces like the main strip of the neighborhood mm-hmm. um, called Manhattan Avenue, and um, pretty much all day, every day, people are like, double parking it's only it's a two-lane road and uh it's just like yelling and honking and it's it's very (laughs) it can be very unpeaceful yeah total total free-for-all so we do make a point (laughs) to try to get out of the city um a lot good for you that's great man man i could talk about new york for a little bit longer but i want to go back further and you had touched on this a little bit but um, your childhood. What was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this direction? Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think like I was probably always going to do something creative, but I didn't really know what being a graphic designer was when I was mm-hmm. growing up. Um, but I, I grew up, like I said, kind of in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and um, like was always drawing. I really wanted to be a paleontologist when I grew up, but when I was young, so I was like drawing dinosaurs all the time, which is, you know, I don't think the most atypical thing, but, um, definitely didn't lead me to becoming a paleontologist. (laughs) Um, But I, yeah, like grew up kind of like building tree houses in the woods with my brothers and, um, you know, playing with Legos and like always showing off a new, like ridiculous Lego thing that I had made. Um, but also like my mom went to art school and she was always kind of like working with clay and, um, doing a lot of drawing. And, um, I think she was probably a creative influence on me to kind of like, um, make me want to, um, experiment with, with my creativity as a, as a younger person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now when you were drawing dinosaurs, did you draw T-Rex? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> now did T-Rex have feathers or no feathers? Um, I think I when I think I was, we're still really into dinosaurs when the feather thing started becoming more like mainstream. Yeah. 
Um, and I think like I would draw feathers on them sometimes, but I, I think a lot of my dinosaur influence probably came from Jurassic Park and the first movie, you know, I think in later movies they've had dinosaurs with feathers, but, um, the first Jurassic Park, there were no feathers on the dinosaurs and that was kind of like my, my, my North star for, for how dinosaurs should look. Yeah. And I love how I can mention that, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> so take us back then to when you first started noticing design out in the world. What did you first start seeing? Um, I, I don't know. I think like I didn't, I feel kind of dumb for not noticing, but I don't really feel like I noticed it in a, like, I want to do stuff like that sort of way. Mm-hmm. I think when I started thinking about actually becoming a designer or, you know, having a design major in school, I was, um, I wanted to like make t-shirt designs and like cool. didn't, didn't really have a wide perspective on all of the applications that design had or that are the things that I would be able to do with the skills that a designer had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think like I, I don't know. I, I never really like put it together, um, but I. I mean, now I notice things all the time, and I think like now I notice things when they're good, and I notice things when they're bad, or when they're you know less effective or more effective. But, yep. um, but yeah, I think like I don't until I started like learning about that kind of stuff in school. I was sort of aloof to it. <laughs> Got it. Um. I'm curious to see if you have one of these, um, you know, in your mind though, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something that you've seen growing up or something you've been a part of? Uh, I think the, I think it's tough for me to say, I think like, I don't, I wouldn't want to pigeonhole myself like for other people kind of, I guess like listening to this or for myself and how I personally think about what is influential to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, th- I feel like it's, it's always strange to me the things that people pick and it's like, this is the best version of this ever. Like, you know, Apple is an example of fabulous design, mm-hmm. obviously, but if you go to like a rural town or something or, you know, something where like design is not so much at the forefront of everybody's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and you see like how mom and pop stores, you know, in quotes brand themselves or, um, think about like how they make their business look or make signs look or really, you know, any, anything you could think of. Um, I think like those things are valuable too. And those things are part of the language of design. And those things to me are just as influential to the, the overarching like vernacular of what we all understand visually, whether you're a designer and you're aware of it, or you're just a, if, or you're not a, like a visual person and you, and you don't even notice it. Um, I think like, noticing you know mom and pop like jam strawberry jam packaging that like looks (laughs) like somebody wrote it in sharpie 
that is like a design style and that's like a design choice and it has certain connotations and it's based on certain expectations that we all have based on the context of the product or, mm-hmm. and, you know, and that's just like one example. Um, and it, and it's just as valuable as being able to see like Apple and how much thought they've put into, you know, making someone's experience with one of their products or their packaging or whatever. Um, you know, it's, there, it's all it's all sort of influential to me. So you wouldn't say that there's one particular project or piece that stands out. It's really the understanding of a variety of different directions from little things to big things to signage to everything and understanding um, almost the reasons why it's there. And that in itself can be influential. I think so. And I, I think if you, if you start... I think it's troubling or problem. I think it can be problematic when you um, start focusing on only these types of things or only those types of things, because mm-hmm. it, if you don't keep a wide perspective on how things could look or how things should look, you are going to automatically as a designer start um, like funneling out or, or cutting out, possible solutions that you're thinking about when you're creating work because you're going to say like, well, this doesn't fit into the category of like high design, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you're going to, you're going to miss possibilities for your work that, um, that could be there. Got it. I like it. I like the way you turned the question. Thanks. Um, Who is a designer or a brand that you look up to or closely follow? And what is it about them that you like? Um, I think like this, this question sort of follows in the same logic as, as the last one, but Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of brands that do like a really good job expressing themselves and, and telling their story. Like Apple is a great one. Of course, um, Everlane is a clothing brand that, you know, I don't even, um, I don't, I've never even bought anything from them, but I know well that they are really good at making um, their whole process transparent in how they create their products um, and how they've kind of like set themselves apart from other uh, brands in the fashion industry um, mm-hmm. to, to the point where people can actually start to feel good about the um, purchasing power that they have and the choices that they're making. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah, there are, there are a lot of good brands out there. Um, Airbnb does a great job of like making sure that every touch point in your brand experience, um, you know, which is one of the craziest things because it's like so full of possibility for like a different experience every time. Um, but you know, they they kind of guide you and hold your hand the entire way to make sure that like Airbnb has a, a really positive, um, like just like setting in your mind Mm -hmm. and, uh, like making sure it's constant the entire time you're using it. Yeah. So true. I like, I like that. Mm -hmm. Airbnb has been a really good one. Just the whole user experience. Yeah, it's incredible. 
Um, so now I want to chat about your career and I want to hear some stories from your career and, uh, it starts off a little rough, but then we turn a corner to the good stuff. So <laughs> stick with it. <laughs> okay. What's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Um, so like recently I quit a job that, um, I was really excited for and, mm -hmm. I uh, I was really disappointed to have to leave because the the work that I've had to that I had to do there was um, itself very satisfying and very much what I wanted to do. I was working in food, and um, it ended up having because of some kind of personal like interpersonal relationship issues at that office. Mm -hmm. um, I. I was really avoidant with kind of dealing with those issues because, you know, the work was so much what I wanted to do. And it, yeah. it took me a kind of long time to get up the, the courage personally to decide that like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Um, but I, so I don't, I don't regret leaving, but I regret that I, that it came to the point where I was like, yeah, I can't hack this anymore. I got to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, uh, that was tough, but I think I've sort of decided that I'm like, I've, I've had a lot, that wasn't the first time I've had a boss that like made me really uncomfortable and it hasn't been the last boss that <laughs> has made me really uncomfortable since then. Yep. Um, and so, um, I'm like, I'm done sort of putting up with it at this point in my career, I think I'm, I'm, I'm at the point where I've realized that I don't want to spend my working life, which is, I don't know, 80 or 90% of my entire life, probably, mm -hmm. um, hanging out with people who make me feel bad or, you know, unkind or negative or don't listen to you. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't want to make that concession anymore. Very true. Very wise. Takes, uh, it takes a couple of uh, rough experiences to get to that point, doesn't it? And yeah, and when you're younger, you kind of you don't you either go with it, or you're you're just like less either aware of like this isn't how people ought to behave to each other, um, or you think like oh if I just put up this for a little bit, I'll be able to like climb the ladder or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I think. I think when I was younger and I think for a lot of people, it's like you don't, you also just kind of don't have the courage to like advocate for yourself as much. Yep. No, there's that, you know, it's almost like an imposter syndrome kind of thing, right? Like who am I to speak up about this? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, so take us then to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like and how did that feel? Um, yeah, so I, one, one story that I, I referenced because it did go so badly, <laughs> uh, I, I talk about this a lot in job interviews is not a lot because I don't want to bring it up. But, <laughs> if you're um, pushed, if I, if they ask me, you know, what's the time that you, you know, something could have gone better. Um, it's this this one project where I was working for this company that did a lot of trade show marketing, 
and um, I was designing this piece that was, um, so it was for this company called Pilot that I worked for, and what mm -hmm. they do is business uh, internet pr provider, and they're kind of like trying to insert themselves into the monopoly of um, internet providers, and they have, they have a really good, they're a really great company, and um, have uh, a really great customer experience, and so, um, we were designing this booth for a trade show, which was basically like this rolling cart that uh, had a bunch of storage in it, had this display that was able to like hide um, all of our installation equipment and show people how it worked and how light the equipment footprint was going to be in their building um, and that kind of stuff. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of it's kind of a new project for new kind of idea to make something like this. Um, this involved for one of our trade shows. And so we all kind of were like, yeah, let's do this. It's going to be awesome. But um, didn't know what to do exactly or what not to do exactly. And so um, I started designing this thing. This is like this big cart. And I started working with a fabrication company to get it built. And um, Basically, this thing was like, I don't know, probably eight or nine feet long and four feet, feet deep and, uh, you know, about like a counter, counter height, maybe like four feet high. Mm -hmm. And it was made from plywood. Um, and like, I just didn't know to think about like, how much is this going to weigh? How are we going to ship this? Like, where the hell are we going to store this? Mm -hmm. um, like these are all questions that no one asked and probably something that I should have asked or should have known to ask, but I just didn't cause I didn't have the experience. Yep. Um, and this thing was supposed to last us like a long time and it was an expensive investment to get it built. And, uh, it ended up like not being able to go to a lot of trade shows because it was too wide to fit through, like different, uh, like if a building didn't have double doors, it couldn't fit in through like a normal <laughs> oh, no. door. It was like, and then like, you know, getting it shipped, it actually started to like break, which, you know, which was more on the fabrication company than me, but like we could have probably built it out of more durable material. Mm -hmm. It was just like a huge mess. And, um, it, it was, yeah, it was like a big fail for, for everybody and I felt really bad about it. But, um, I think one of the things I learned from that was if you take responsibility for it and people aren't trying to like blame each other for it, um, it kind of puts everybody at ease. If mm -hmm. you're able to say like, man, I really, sh I really screwed up on this one and I should have known A, B and C about it. Um, it it makes it so that you can all as a team sort of like collectively agree that you all screwed up and yeah as and, a team and that's a big part of that yeah and it makes it so that like people don't feel singled out or uh solely responsible because you know like in the at the end of the day like my manager like my, you know the person to whom i reported is the person who's responsible for how much money her team spends on uh, whatever the project is that 
goes poorly. And um, as long as you can show them, you know, if they're if they're a good manager, as long as you can show them that you understand you screwed up and that you know you've noticed all of these variables that you missed the first time, mm-hmm. uh, that for the next time that you try this, you will definitely address. Um, then you can then you can just move on from the problem without dwelling on it or feeling feeling crappy about it, um, and just make a better solution next time. It just comes up, you know, basically as a, as a lesson learned. Exactly. Got it. So what is something that you are struggling with in your career right now? Um, right now I, I've been kind of freelancing and bouncing around a little bit since I moved to New York. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm trying to find a job that sort of has that balance of work that is satisfying and also like makes me like satisfying to do in like a technical sort of like execution perspective, but also like in a interpersonal and like feel good about what I'm doing side of things, like, and feel good about the people I work with. Like though that has a balance between those two aspects. Um, though that's been challenging to find that balance for me Mm -hmm. so far since I moved here because there's so much work here. Like I'm never worried about, not being able to find a job or a freelance gig to, you know, pay bills and feel okay financially. But, um, I'm, I'm really looking for like a free, for like a full time, uh, fulfilling kind of work home that I can, uh, feel good about and, and stick with for like a long time. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine finding that one project that, uh, or a project or a place where you know it just feels right it feels right in the heart to to be a, you feel like you're using your skills and abilities to the best that you can mm-hmm. yeah and somebody with the you know with that allows you to do that really yeah who who trusts kind of like gives you that responsibility yes and uh trusts you to be able to make things happen I, is that, I think that's like one thing that I've always sort of noticed um, that I, as in positions where I've been managing people that if you give people responsibility and make clear your expectations for them, people will rise to that responsibility. Like people will never want to be the jerk who like you handed them this thing like this basically this like position of power to get this job done and um and they screwed it up like nobody wants to be that person and so if you give it to people usually uh they'll do a good job unless Mm. you know you they feel like they can't ask you questions or they feel like they can't be vulnerable to like express creative ideas that's when you know that responsibility isn't isn't well placed or isn't well handled um, by one party or the other. Yeah, you said it right. You know, somebody with the trust to let you execute. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, I'm turning the corner now. So tell us uh, about a project that you have been a part of that you were the most proud of. One that makes your heart sing, or maybe even sort of the biggest design feather in your cap. Sure. Um, so when I was living in Austin. I worked with this company um, 
for like a year, a little more than a year, called Sock Club, and they're a sock subscription company. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came on, I was like their first hire who wasn't a friend or family member. Yeah. Um, so they they were like a total startup at that point. They had been around for like four years and had built their subscriber base organically and had like a really strong product. Um, the socks are made in the U S and they're really, really comfortable and they last a long time and they were well designed. And so, um, they had like done all that, but had not really paid that much attention at that point to their, um, their written brands narrative or their visual brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, when I came on, I, I started working on actually just designing the socks is what I was initially hired for, um, for the subscription, because um, they were they were always trying to like design the socks months and months and months in advance. Um, and what I ended up learning and what working with, you know, the the mills that made our socks in North Carolina and um, kind of all of the people who um, worked as the production end of Sock Club. Um, Like all of their mills and factories were kind of languishing um, as much of United States apparel manufacturing had been uh, for the past couple of decades um, until Sock Club started working with them. And they were like having an opposite problem where now there aren't enough people who know how to use how to program a knitting machine. Oh, no. Yeah, and like and so like it was um, it was really fascinating to kind of like learn all that, and it ended up being brand research that I was able to um, turn back around and put into the packaging experience. Uh, I, I ended up doing a, a lot of writing for the copy of our website and packaging. Um, just because the team wasn't super well resourced at that point and mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff about the quality of the product, the people who make it and like how we are, how involved we are with our entire production vertical. That was all stuff that I was able to turn around and bring back to the customer and um, the kind of things that like made the brand a lot more valuable to people when they are able to learn like, Oh, like I'm actually, helping Americans have more jobs, which is like universally everyone's happy to hear that no matter like what, how political you are, where, what kind of, what walk of life you come from. It's like American jobs. It's, it's awesome. And like making a good product. That's awesome. Yeah, um, that's great. And so I, I think there was like a lot of, there was a lot of like process things that came with being a startup that I would have done differently. Like if I were to go back there now, um, there were, um, there were, you know, choices I would have made differently as a designer, just like, I'm. that was like, uh, three or four years ago now. And I, uh, I'm a better designer now than I, than I was then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, overall I think that like it was, it was executed really well. And, uh, it's, it's like the project that I kind of talk about most when I'm, whenever I'm interviewing, cause, um, I was able to kind of like walk through the entire brand creation over the entire time that I've there, that I was there. And, um, it's kind of stood the test of time 
since I've left, it hasn't changed very much. And um, they've, from what I've seen, been able to embellish upon it and kind of make it a little bit richer uh, since they've become a bigger team and, and more well-resourced. That's a great one. Cause I can really see how that would be exciting being able to touch all of those points from manufacturing of the product to the packaging to you know, just all pieces of the company. And I, I totally see why that would be uh, one that you'd be proud of for sure. Yeah. It was a lot of fun too. So a couple more last questions here before I get into the lightning round, which I don't know if I told you about yet, but you'll enjoy, uh-huh. <laughs> you'll enjoy it either way. Uh, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Um, I mean, uh, Adobe products, obviously. I, I don't know if that's like a, a personal can't live without. I think if there was like a cheaper alternative that was as high quality, I might be okay with that. But mm-hmm. um, they kind of are like the industry standard, obviously. Um, but I do, I do like to try to go to as many like events um, as I can find time for. I don't know if you've ever heard of Creative Mornings, but yep. it's this. Yeah, they're they they usually have some like really pretty fascinating people doing talks and um it's it's nice because uh it's not always like designers talking because i i don't know i don't know about you but sometimes like i really don't and it's funny that i'm saying this and i'm like a designer on a podcast talking about design (laughs) but um every almost every time i've gone to see a designer do a talk it's sort of been like a retrospective on their work Yep. And I mean, I, that's not all the time, but that's a lot of the time. And if I'm following them, it's because I'm already familiar with and appreciate their work. And I'm not really interested in hearing about, like, you know, the case study for this project. I'm interested in hearing out, hearing about sort of like more of the process or kind of like what their life has been like, like kind of like the more salient emotional details of like how they got there but Mm -hmm. i don't know i think kind of going back to one of your earlier questions that might be a reason that i don't really try to i try not to idolize other designers like i think other designers have work that's way better than mine for sure but i think that i i don't want to like put them put a designer or any like particular design on a pedestal for that reason Got it. So I'm going to dive right into the lightning round here, which is basically 10 really short questions. And you just need to give me a one word or two word answer. Um, some of them are design related. Some of them are just straight up wacky and meant to have a little bit of fun. Okay. So you ready for that, Ben? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Number one, pancakes or waffles? Uh, waffles. Make the sound of your favorite animal. Uh Roof. <laughs> <laughs> Bicycle or scooter? Bicycle. How do you feel about cranberries? Uh, the fruit or the band? Oh, take it where you want it. Uh, fruit is, the fruit is good. <laughs> <laughs> are tomatoes a fruit or vegetable? Uh, I think tomatoes are a fruit. What is your best joke, Ben? Oh, God. I, they're all bad. 
Um, <laughs> I don't. Uh, you. I'm too on the spot. I can't. I can't do this one. It's gonna okay. be. It'll be embarrassing. <laughs> no, it's all right. We'll move on. Uh, how how often do you say the word dapper? I don't. I don't say that word. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I mean, like neither neither do I really. Just <laughs> uh, tea or coffee. Um, I have coffee. I think yeah. CMYK or RGB? Uh, CMYK. So the last question is: you have to choose one for your next okay. design project. Would you use Comic Sans or Papyrus? Um, I think Comic Sans. Yep. I would use Comic Sans, yeah. Papyrus is um, really gross looking. But, um, <laughs> I mean, they're both pretty bad, but you know, Comic Sans is sort of having a little moment right now. It's like sort of in, like ironically in vogue to, to use it. Or like, I think there's, there's also a, a type design studio that I follow that has like redesigned it so it's good. Um, Which oh, one is no. that? Uh, I, let me hold on. Let me Google it really quick. For sure. Oh, do you know what? It's not Comic Sans. It's Hobo. Do you know that? Part? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of like in the same same vein, sort of like that. Comic Sans E. Comic Sans E, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So the other thing that I've added now to the end of the episodes is I give you an opportunity to ask a question of the next guest. Now, I'm not going to tell you who that guest is, uh, but you can ask them anything and I'll ask them that question on the show. Oh, weird. Okay. Um... So while you're thinking of that, why don't I ask you the question that the previous guest wanted me to ask you? Sure. That sounds good. Perfect. So <clears throat> the previous guest was Andrew Zoe. He's a packaging designer out of Vancouver, BC here. Um, and he wanted to ask the next guest, have you ever experienced a dream shattering moment? And if yes, what was that moment? A dr- dream shattering dream moment. Dream shattering moment. Like where your dream was crushed? Yes. Uh, um, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I need to start dreaming bigger. <laughs> I um, I don't know. I I think I think that like you know my career so far has been it it hasn't been perfect, but like it hasn't been bad. It's been I've pretty much been able to make a lot of the decisions that I've gotten to make, mm-hmm. and I you know. I don't, I don't attribute that all to myself. I think there's a lot of luck that goes into any industry, especially a creative one. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think like my dreams have ever been crushed. Um, that's a good thing, Ben. but I've been bummed out, but yeah, no, like, I don't think it's, it's ever been that bad. No. Good. Yeah. But that is a good question. Uh, I wasn't going to ask something like that. I don't know. I feel like I, that's so, uh, no, oh, we've had specific. yeah, we've had questions about design related. We had questions about favorite book to bring on you know, non design related book, also all over the place. It's literally whatever you want to ask. Okay, um, okay, I've got one. Uh, when you're on an airplane, what is 
the first thing that you would redesign about sitting on an airplane and the, the experience of being on an airplane. Oh, wow. Okay. I like that one. Yeah. So there's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Ben, you made it to the end, my friend. Cool. Thanks Thank for so- having me on. Oh, man. Oh, Thanks so-, so much for being a part of it. Of course, yeah. Happy happy to chat anytime. All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to tune in tomorrow because I will be asking that guest Ben's question. What would you design about being on an airplane and the experience of flying? So stay tuned for that for tomorrow's guest. Thank you and have an awesome day. See ya.